Stop Child Abuse Now Scan Blog Talk Radio Show. NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Victoria Kelly, and I am your host for this evening, and I'm the Minnesota Ambassador for NASCA, and we are in scan number 3244. I'm excited to introduce you to our special guest this evening. However, first, We have a single purpose at NASCA, which is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. Educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboos of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And again, we are on scan number 3244. And if you'd like to be a part of the panel this evening, please call 646-595-2118. And um, we will get you online so that you can ask questions if you'd uh, uh, like to ask questions of our guests, or you have anything that you'd like to comment about. And we'd love to have you join us and support our guests um, tonight and any other night as well. So uh, our be- guest this evening is um, uh, Bill Murray, who is our founder. And now this is the question uh, and answer call and discussion with our survivor professional, Bill, using an open mic forum. We'll feature a survivor professional co-host to fill topics brought to the episode by you, the listener. And Bill Murray is from Los Angeles, and Bill's recovery 12-step base uh, spans for um, more than four decades. Sexually abused by numerous clerics, all men, between the ages of 11 and midway through high school, a minor seminary. He was also the victim of prepubescent pornography, and even a two-week kidnapping. Bill was graced to have found Alcoholics Anonymous when he was 30 years old. The program um, not only helped him get clean and sober, but also gave him a place to give up his secrets and the tools by which he's recovered. 
He firmly believes that one can use a 12-step process to heal from childhood abuse, trauma, and to find a way to, to a comfortable life. Okay, on these episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals who will assist in fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call and participants. The trauma-informed perspective as survivor professionals will help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that springs from questions and topics brought to you by our listeners. Everyone is invited to engage on tonight's show. And please visit the NASCA.org website, which is N-A-A-S-C-A.org. And we have about 40 programs on there that um, we hope that you can uh, um, uh, uh, check out. And uh, we have a lot of information. So uh, without further ado, um, let's get let's get Bill on here. Hi, Bill. How are you doing tonight? I'm well. Thanks for asking. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I see somebody We've named got, Vinny um, here. Is that your Vinny or our Vinny? Or that's who? my Vinny. Yeah, that's my that's Vinny. Vinny. Oh yep. my goodness! Yep. Wow. Well, he okay. heard you were speaking. Well, poor guy. He's going to have to listen then, I guess. Well, he heard you were speaking, so he's never heard your story. I'm, gonna... <laughs> I'm not going to tell him story. Tonight. And I'm going to check who else is on the other call. You want to go ahead? Um, yeah. If you want to go ahead and get sure. started. I'll, I'll go ahead. You, you oh, check out who's on the other call. I'll go ahead. Yeah. Um, on these shows, as uh, as she said, Victoria indicates that there are uh, special people who are recovering and are professional in some set, in some way who, in that combined uh, capacity, come on to answer questions or to pose topics sometimes. And uh, we actually prefer that the listener, you, the listener, uh, bring uh, a topic to the floor that they would like to hear discussed, and that's uh, that's how these were supposed to be. So if you have a, a topic or a discussion you'd like to hear talked about, that's that's the uh, biggest feature of tonight. Otherwise, uh, we can come up with a topic between Victoria and myself and whoever else on here, uh, and we can we can discuss it. But we'd like you to generate the topic if you can or the theme. Uh, tonight's show will be 90 minutes long, so we have plenty of time to do several uh, discussions or themes if you want. And um, you know, we, we we want you to know there's no wrong answers to any of these questions or topics that we bring up. There's no wrong perspective. The the fact is that I was asked the other night about um, uh, Letitia Bell. Oh, hi, hi, Letitia. <laughs> uh, that um, I was I was brought. What was it I was saying? Um, gosh, I went right under my head when I saw Letitia. Hi, Letitia. <laughs> oh. We have a lot of these shows that we've done, and we are now uh, in need for two more. That's it. Two more, uh, we call them co-hosts or, or hyphenates, survivor professionals, um, to replace a couple of slots that um, have become available. One is on the second Tuesday night, which is two nights ago, and the other is on the third, the second Thursday night, which is tonight. These two nights, the second Tuesday and the second Thursday, don't have a regular host, a co-host 
at this point. So we are looking around for someone that would like to do that job. They do have to be in some capacity a professional and also a survivor. Uh, but there can be in, in any kind of um, background. We have ministers and we have uh, last week was a pastor and we have uh, professional people involved in kinds. We have therapists. We have, you know, anybody that has a professional background is um, eligible for this. But we do want them to come on here and not just tell you their book learning. We want you to tell you their uh, their experiential learning. In other words, there's a difference between a person who themselves in recovery or, or on a healing journey who has suffered their own child abuse. There's a difference between that kind of person and the kind of person who can earn a license, of course, uh, and uh, and become, say, a therapist. But there's a big difference of those who have traumatic experiences of their own and are on their own healing journey. So if you or anybody you can think of might fill the bill, they come on once a month. Um, and as I say, the two nights that are open right now are the second Tuesday and the second Thursday tonight. So uh, let them know we've put out the feelers for this. We're going to put out a couple of feelers tonight. We discussed with um, with our, our co-host from um, Tuesday, which was Pastor Deborah Schleck. She does the fourth Tuesday, but she came on and very kindly uh, stepped into the breach uh, to do a um, an extra show. So she did the show two nights ago, and uh, and I came on to talk with her. And she said, "What is the?" She asked me, "What is the the, the most what is the the most important thing you wanted to get out of NASCAR?" And I kind of I gave her the answer that I wanted to be a comfortable place for people to tell their story for the first time, which is true. That is uh, a primary reason that I that I launched ASCA, uh, but I also I don't want it to sound like that's all we, we do here. We we are, are also a group that educates you know anyone who has an interest in the many many topics uh, about uh, child abuse and and its recovery or its prevention intervention and recovery. And there are, we know there are many ways to do all of these things and many ways to be abused. So I don't want it to sound like. That's the only thing we do, because it's not. Uh, right after someone tells their story, which is kind of the bare minimal, but it's important, um, they would they would then begin to explore what path they could take uh, on a healing on their healing journey. And there are many different paths. There are many different ways to heal. And we want uh, information, which is on our website, to go out to the to the people who need it, so they can compare. Uh, what's the difference between uh, psychotherapy and psychiatry, you know, or animal animal healing and um, and yoga? You know, all of these. There are many, many paths that are that are none of which are complete paths. You you should actually consider, I think, several different things to include in kind of the mix um, for what you would uh, like to add together, so that you have an opportunity to experience the best recovery. And by the way, uh, I see uh, Victoria's back. I want, also want people to know that, uh, and you know this, Victoria, that 
recovery is not a finite thing. It's not something you do once and then you're done. You don't achieve recovery and healing and then you're done. Uh, trauma persists. And what you get to do through the, your healing journey, through, uh, through exploring different kinds of um, motifs that are meant to help you grow, what you get to, to do there is you get to, um, you know, you get to put aside some of these aspects of, of the trauma experience that are so intense, and they get less intense. But what I'm trying to say is they don't go away. They get less intense. They, they get quite a bit less intense many times. But there's, I don't think, any such thing as trauma that disappears. It's, just, it, it's kind of waiting in the background, especially waiting for the moment when I'm not really participating in my own recovery and then it'll pounce back <laughs> and uh, and it'll it'll jump on on me again and and I'll have to start I'll have to start working on some issue that I I swear to god I finished with you know <laughs> well I'm glad I dealt with that you know all done with that no there's no such thing as being done with anything so um these are some of the things that we talked about on uh Tuesday but I think there's plenty of um uh, time to uh, spend uh, talking about any of these aspects of recovery or any individual type of recovery. And, of course, certainly prevention, intervention, and, and recovery are the three, you know, the, the legs of the stool, the three-legged stool that prop us up here. Um, and, you know, we want people to understand what the processes are, whether they're in recovery or not, or, are they, or they're thinking about it or not. And we hope that when we do tell our stories, which is three times a week, that it's enough to indicate to uh, um, a newcomer that it might be, you know, it might be a good idea for them to tell their story because that's, that's, that's pretty much what, why telling our story is important. It's not, not just for us. In fact, perhaps it's less for us, at least after we tell it a few times, than it is for the, the, uh, the newer person than us because they need a kind of a courage that it takes to tell their story, and when they hear uh, myself or anybody on this panel tonight tell their story, they come to believe that it might be okay for them to tell their own story, and that's really important and a very important step. So um, I'll pause. There I also want to mention, Bill, that, that um, a lot of people think, "Oh boy, an hour and a half—that's a lot of time to fill," and get kind of nervous about that, but. We do the introduction, then we got a closing whole part, and then um, we break into sometimes three different parts or, or even smaller if you want and break over to the panel, which is the people that call in, and you can have people that will support you as well. Um, we have a number they can call in and be on the panel. So um, it's not a full, like, hour and a half that, you know, we just say go. <laughs> And we, we can guide you in things for um, get, um, being able to, you know, tell your story. And, and you only have to share what you want. You know, I can remember when I went to time, I said, oh, I don't know if somebody asked me a question, you know, about my story. You know, what should I say? What should I say? And she says, you know, this is your story. You get to share what you want, you know. And, and that just freed me up so much to be able to start talking about my abuse. Right. And well, very yeah. good. And there, there is no, there is no perfect way to tell your story, and it's frequently common that the person that wants to tell their story for the first time 
after 90 minutes says, where did all the time go? I, I didn't get to tell about such and such, and I didn't remember about this and that. <laughs> and they want more time. Yeah. But the point is yeah. that, you know, you, you're going to have other opportunities. So right. there, are, there, is, there are ways to tell your story in a 20-minute version, in a half-hour version, in a 45-minute version, and so forth. Plus, you used the right word just a little while ago. You said guided. Um, we have hosts that guide the guests who is the, 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 the uh, traumatized young person, younger person who's not been in recovery yet. And they, um, you know, they take some of the weight away from the guest to, you know, to say anything perfectly, to, to give the perfect pitch and so forth. And, um, and, and also they take some time because every, every time one of us talks, it's a little less time for the other. But frankly, we find that although it sounds like it's a lot of time, that at the end of the show, towards the end of the show, say there's eight or ten minutes left and somebody brings that up, people who are on the show think, wow, how did that happen? It quit so fast, which is true. It quit yeah. very quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so um, we have, I was wondering, uh, should, I open the, should I open the mics and then people could yeah. just put themselves on mute? And Absolutely. if they... Um, like to ask a question, um, they can just go ahead and jump in. Would that be okay? Sure, sure. By the way, okay, I, we'll I do that. Was gonna, I thought Annie was going to join us too, but she's not here. But and uh, Annie schedule. can't join us tonight because um, okay. the computer is not working. Okay. Oh, you have so, a computer. You call in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, but I can, uh, I can let her know too. I can. Sure. Put myself on mute, right, messenger, so, messenger. Okay. Yeah. So everybody's microphone who's here with us now, there's three extra people, have had their mics open by Victoria, and I just want each one of you to know how genuine we are about uh, our desire to have you participate in whatever way you want. We can answer questions. We can hear some issues. We can talk about topics. Uh, we can. We can discuss things that NASCA does or doesn't do, or anything you want. So we have Philip, Vinny, and Leticia, all three here, and I invite anyone who wants to start by uh, start the discussion by just speaking up. Anybody? No. Hello, Bill. Hello, Victoria. Uh oh, Leticia. Hey, Philip. <laughs> how you doing? Oh, it's Philip. Okay, how are you? Oh. All right. Um, maybe I can. Yeah. Okay. Um, any ideas what we're going to talk about? No, we're asking you to if you have something on your mind first. It can be anything. I just, as I said, no. It can be a question. It can be a topic. It can be a. Uh, uh, something that NASCA does or doesn't do that you want to know about, anything, you know. Um, but, it, it, you know, as long as it's on, the, and there's a lot of cases about this, but as long as it's on some topic that's related to uh, child abuse, which there are thousands of topics on, <laughs> it'd be fair game tonight. Um, hey, Bill. It's Leticia. How are you? Hello, Leticia. There you are. <laughs> uh, I was excited to hear uh, you were on the show tonight. 
Uh, hello to everyone else. Um, okay, just just before I start, I'm actually at work, but I work in the lab by myself, but I may not always be able to respond to the call. Um, well, I'm making fine. glasses for those with vision impairment. Um, but I don't know, something, I could just share something that's on my mind, and if it's something you guys want to talk about, that's cool. Um, so I'm watching, you know, some family members of mine um, who are survivors as well, like myself. And I'm, I, I mean, it's natural. I'm having feelings of anger and resentment because I had been trying to get help for myself for, for years without getting support from my family. And, you know, now that they're finally getting help for themselves, you know, it's, it's watching them become educated, you know, getting therapy, um, learning about trauma and, you know, things like PTSD and depression. And I'm just watching these individuals kind of go through some of the process that I went through um, and I mean, there's part of me that's relieved, but there's another part of me. I think right now I'm trying to give myself the space to feel some resentment. You know, I've been watching these folks like, um, I don't know, just come to a space or, or come to a realization or connect the things that I've been talking about for years. And, you know, I feel like they come at me with, like, this excitement or for validation. And, you know, it's when I can, I do it. But sometimes I just, I just say, you know what, I need to take care of myself right now. And it's because I'm still going through it. And it, it, sometimes it's, it's a blessing, but sometimes it's hard for me to be the person that, I guess, an example and also that has character to, like, for me to have done the right thing by myself and also to speak out about my abuser and stuff like that. Um, and it, it's hard for me to be a person that other people look look up to. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, I, I think I understand what you're saying. You, you um, struggled to... Uh, well, for example, to tell your story at first, but then to get on your healing journey for a while, and now you're on it, and you've been reaping some of the benefits and so forth. Now there are members of your family who had experiences that at first they were in denial about, especially while you were getting in recovery. They were in denial about their own problem and are now recognizing that they, too, have suffered their own traumas. And, you know, your resentment is attached to the fact that you know, hey, it's, this is my program. You know, this is my recovery. You know, and they and they're picking up on stuff that you might have thought about a couple of years back, several years back, and so forth. And it feels like it, it, it feels like it wasn't fair. But you're also kind of, like you said, resentful that they didn't do it earlier. Now they're kind of. I think sometimes we believe that our friends or relatives are going to um, depend on it. They're going to lean on us. You know. And uh, we don't think that's fair. What, where were you when I was, was in need? That kind of thing. But there's, it's okay. You know, I also want to say that um, 
the reason that we are identify we all identify with each other, we come back to NASCA and call it a NASCA family, is because the, um, there is so much similarity, not between necessarily what the kind of abuses that we experienced, although there, in many cases there are experiences that are very similar of that, of, of the abuse itself, but of how it felt. There's always going to be experiences about how it felt to be uh, you know, laughed at or to be uh, beaten or to be, you know, thought as the, as the bottom of the pile or being taken advantage of as a child that didn't have the strength to speak up for himself and many, many things. Th- those are the things that we identify with. That's what me- holds us together because those kinds of feelings are pretty much universal. I mean, we don't have every one of them all the time, every one of us, but we have so many of them that are similar. Um, there's no you know, denying that we are, we're the same kind of people, really. So um, despite whatever it was that we went through to get us here, uh, the trauma is very similar. It feels the same, feels very similar. And, you know, changing how we feel about the events that went on in our life and the, and the, and the, uh, the PTSD we now have about them and so forth, the memories we have about them now, um, that's what we're trying to do. We, we can't change what it was that happened. We can't change what it was that happened to our family either. But we can change how we feel about it. We know that about them too. So, but they think that it's the discovery of the of the uh, issue, of the of the trauma of the uh, tra- of the abuse that, that did lead to trauma. It's the discovering of the abuse and the willingness to talk about the abuse that's recovery, and that's not it. That's the very, very beginning, as you know. So I don't know if that, any of that helped or if you want to ask another question or make another point, but please feel free. Uh, Bill, I think I laughed as you were sometimes because I couldn't have said it better. It's like uh, right on the head of the, of the nail, Bill. I really appreciate that. Well, it's my privilege. I, I hope that I... I'm not perfect, you know. I make mistakes. <laughs> ask Ask Victoria; she knows. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know, uh, much of the time I because you know when you gain experience of the type that well she has it too that I have um, over all these years. Now we count our our recovery in decades. You know, um, you you should be able to, especially if you've been coming back and back and back and back and back to a recovery group or a recovery system or a, or a psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever it is, um, you should be able to rely on your experience, not just in trauma, but in recovery, you know, and, and healing. Uh, and, and that's another thing, by the way, that I believe we have in common. Uh, if we follow a similar path to somebody else, um, we are going to have similar experiences on the healthy end, on the back end. Uh, and we're going to be able to recognize that those are common too. Not just the feelings we have when we're in the trauma, it's the feelings that we have when we're in the recovery or in the healing that are the same uh, and that bind us together. So, but thank you very much for that lead off tonight. That was, that was perfect kind of an idea of how we would like these shows to go. 
Yeah, I'd like to uh, comment on that, too. Um, I know that sometimes when we're farther along in our recovery, a lot of people can lean on us. um, And uh, it can can be very tiring and overwhelming because we're also still working on ourselves, obviously. (laughs) And uh, we need to uh, be able to set boundaries. Um, If people are in therapy and things and uh, recovery, like, when I'm in recovery with uh, um, some of my friends and stuff, um, I might say, maybe you need to call your sponsor or have you thought of asking your you know, therapist about that next time you go or something? Because um, sometimes I think uh, people that are close to us know that we, we're in recovery or we're dealing with the same issues and can tend to um, lean on us too much. And uh, we have to remember that... Uh, we need to take care of ourselves. I just wanted to put that out there. A lot of times I'll go to, um, I go to AA and Al-Anon, and I get a lot of people I know I've been in for many years, and um, sometimes I go there and I feel like I'm giving, 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 and when I ask for help, people are like, I don't know the answer to that, <laughs> or they, they just don't seem to give back as much as I give sometimes and then I realize it's kind of on me because I haven't set up a boundary that is more of a you know give and take kind of a thing and I was used to doing that in my family where you know I fixed everybody so I want to caution people on that that don't have to fix well they're in if they're working on themselves then uh, we can make suggestions you know um because, like, there's so many ways, you know, um, that people do recovery, and there's no right or wrong way. And, you know, maybe if they got in, you know, if they're getting into a different form of recovery, you know, to be supportive of them as well. Um, I don't know if that rings true with anyone. And then um, I have a listener on the line that texted me and wanted to know um, – if anybody could talk about self-protection, um, I'm not quite sure what that means. Maybe uh, taking care of yourself. Um, just wrote self-protection. <laughs> Bill? <laughs> well, I'm going to say that I think the term self-protection isn't one that we use very often in the groups, but that's okay. Right. I'm going to take it to mean that um, that there are that this person has discovered that there are times when he or she um, has told their story in an inappropriate place, and when you do that, you you become more vulnerable because the people that you're telling it to, since it's an inappropriate place, they do not understand what it is that you're uh, sharing. Now, we understand because we've been there, but you can't tell, you know, how, how people are going to react if they hear your story and it's new to you to tell it, especially. So protection means maybe for them, for this person, that, um, that they feel more vulnerable and can be taken advantage of by folks who, uh, who, who have learned something about their trauma, about their, you know, their abuse, for example, the abuse story is kind of scary for people. It's disgusting for people, frankly. It's a horrible thing to hear about, you know. And so until we become used to hearing these kinds of stories, which I know everybody here tonight is, um, you know, we, we're we shocked. 
you know, and we're hurt and we're, we're scared and all these things. And so we've, when I, when I say tell your story, I always uh, say, you know, the first thing that you, that you need to do is tell your story. And I add in an appropriate place, an appropriate way, because you can ter- certainly tell it to your own disadvantage in an inappropriate place. Uh, you know, you don't want to, in other words, shout it from the, from the rooftops that you've now learned why you're so screwed up, you know, and here's why. Here's my, my grandfather did blah, 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 you know. <laughs> no, because you're, you, you have to tell it. You want to tell it. You want to tell. You don't have to, but you want to tell it to a person or a group of people who has their own uh, knowledge and perhaps their own firsthand experience of what it means to have trauma and to be in recovery. So that can be a trained professional who's gone through it in college, but, but even better, it's a, uh, a person in recovery who is a child abuse victim themselves, whether or not they're a therapist or not, it doesn't matter, you know, because they'll already have a certain kind of a, a experience in the, in, the, uh, in the cause if, if they've gone through it themselves. People who don't, it scares them to death, and they, they will take advantage of of uh, how you how you bring it out. Maybe that's what they're saying. I'm guessing. That's a guess, Victoria. Mm. But you know. yeah, for me, I know when I first started sharing, I was afraid that people were going to use it against me because my family, if they got any information on me, um, would use it against me. Yeah, and exactly. And if that might have part of it too, that you know, like when. Uh, when I started telling my story, a lot of people said, make sure you tell someone that's safe. And I really right. didn't know what that meant. And I didn't even know if I had any right. life that I thought was safe, you know. Right. And uh, so to find those safe people, like um, some people um, were abused, family member or something, and maybe maybe they were close to their mom, you know, but they never told them. And when do tell them um, they have that support, you know, but they know that they're going to yeah. have that support. Um, to go to somebody that um, you already know has hurt you with past information um, is definitely not a safe person. So that, I just kind of want to put that out there. Yeah. Well, um, the other thing is uh, that is true too that you um, you'll find people who identify with you and then they think they know it all and they don't of course <laughs> uh, and it's very hard for you if you don't have a good basis for your own recovery and you're pretty much just as started at this point to um, you know to hold your to hold your own against someone who thinks they know it all and they come on really strong and you're you're wounded, you're hurt. When you first tell your story, you, you're not, you don't have a lot of recovery behind you, um, and it can, it can be really painful. So the other mm-hmm. thing is, you know, when I told my parents, they didn't know, but I, I knew I, was, I wanted to tell them, but I also knew when I told them that I wasn't going to get much understanding from it. And, and, sh- and sure mm-hmm. enough, that's what happened. Um, they... They actually thought that the abuse that I incurred, uh, they, they related to it as happening to them because it happened in the church that we, we all belonged in and where I'd been brought up, of course, 
and they were um, in the church that much longer than I was. <laughs> so how could the church have done this to us, to mom and dad, right? It didn't do it to right. mom and dad. It did it to me. But that's how they related mm-hmm. to it. And I could see how it really injured them to find this out. So I made a decision that once I had told them the first time, I wasn't going to go back and back and back and back and back and ask them to understand any more. In fact, they, they almost never mm-hmm. heard of it again. And that's that's how mm-hmm. I maintained my own sanity because I did not want to do something that um, inadvertently injured them any more than necessary. Right. So once I, once I told the story, I, it was told, and that was fine, you know. Um, they cert- certainly yeah, couldn't forget, but they weren't. But right. they were not comfortable. I knew they weren't. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. No, no. That's because uh, we can't control. We can't control how other people are going to react when we tell them. Um, you know, um, a lot of times I've heard people um, they're telling the story, and a member might find out and say that they're lying. They, you know. Um, uh, like you said, I um, I know one situation where somebody told their story, and the other, and and they were a part of that story, and so they took it offense, you know, like why is he talking bad about me, you know, because yeah, that person was around, you know, and and didn't do anything about it, so yeah, right. we never know how the person is going to react, never. But I think the most important part is that you be true to yourself and uh, and take care of yourself. Like you said, I had to, you know, maintain your own sanity, your own recovery. And uh, I've noticed a lot of people in the program when they go to AE and stuff, they may have a lot of sobriety, but they might not have ever looked at the fact that they were abused. You know, so, yeah, they had a lot of recovery in one program that all of a sudden – like you said, you think I've already dealt with everything. And this one gal kept telling me, well, keep bringing up about abuse. I was, you know, my dad, you know, had sex, uh, sexually abused me too. And I'm done with all that. And I don't know why you're not with all that, this and that. So I had a YouTube video where I shared my story and I shared it with her. And she called me back and said, oh, I only listened to that five minutes at a time. But I didn't listen to the whole thing. And it was a whole YouTube video, you know. I said, oh, my God, I should have told you that was really intense. And she says, no, 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 you needed courage. Because when it got done listening to the whole thing, said, I realized that I have not dealt with so many, you know. And yeah. uh, and here she's the one that kept telling us, why are you talking about this? And I said, well, I'm going to keep talking about it until somebody after a meeting or during the week or whenever I next doesn't come up to me and say, Hey, I need to talk to you about this because nobody's talked about it, and I think that's keep going back out, or that has a difficult time, or I've never had anyone to share this with, and uh, right. it, it really makes you feel it makes me feel really good when somebody comes up to me and says, "I trust you enough to tell you my story." Um, mm-hmm. It makes me feel really good because that mm-hmm. is really a not, yeah. Yeah, and so it's really an honor, I think, to have people that are willing to come on and and share what they've been through. Absolutely. So, Bill, could you tell tell a little bit about um, when you got into recovery and and how you used the program? 
to do your child abuse? Were in, uh, you went to AA sure. and started dealing with yeah, it. Yeah, okay. okay. All right. I, um, I'm sure people understand that, uh, that many of us take on uh, symptoms that we have to feel, feel like we have to deal with um, uh, because we, we have these tremendous feelings and we hate how we feel. This is, this is how it was for me and it is for a lot of people. Um, the symptoms had to do with um, I hated who I was. I hated what had happened to me. I hated who I was. I was extremely wounded by, in my case, the Catholic Church and so forth. And, um, and, and I wasn't going to be able to change that just by thinking it away. So what I turned to was drugs and alcohol. Now, this is a very common thing that people turn to. They also turn to other things, and I did too. For example, I turned to uh, being uh, over-involved with women because all the, all the abuse that I had experienced was uh, at the hands of men, you know, male uh, priests and brothers and so forth, clerics. Uh, and I didn't really have much female experience, and that's what I wanted. But I didn't feel at all attracted to the priests and brothers, so I had to wait until I was away from them to even start on that. But once I was away from especially high school, I began to drink like a fish. I began to substitute drugs for alcohol so that I didn't pass out as much and throw up as much. <laughs> uh, and I began to use women as well, you know, a lot of women. Uh, at a time when this was, I'll say appropriate, it was common, um, in the uh, in the 70s, you know that was the era of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So <laughs> that was me, um, and so I was I was pretty much um, saturated by you know especially the booze, but also the I didn't realize how much of the other things. But the booze I could see. So I uh, was told by a friend of mine that they had gone to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and had good success to deal with their drinking problem. So I thought, oh, I'll try it too. And I did. It didn't get, didn't take me right away. But six months later, roughly, with a lot of trial and error, uh, it did it did kind of occur to me that I, I should, when they say stop drinking, they meant continuously and all the time. <laughs> so I stopped and I stayed stopped and I kept going to meetings and a lot of meetings then were necessary because you know, the feelings that I was trying to escape, they came roaring out when I stopped drinking. You know, they were things like being really angry, angry, very angry, you know, mortified, embarrassed, uh, you know, wanting to hide from who I really was, the experiences that I'd had and so forth. And I certainly didn't want you to know who I really had been, who I'd really, you know, what I'd really experienced. So there were lots of reasons that I did the drinking, and I had to stop drinking, I knew, because I couldn't stop by myself, so I, I, I learned that I had to actually apply the 12 steps of, of recovery, which, you know, the first six months I was in AA, I didn't even hear about the 12 steps. I heard people telling stories, and I went to a lot of meetings, you know, at least a couple a week or something, I guess, <laughs> uh, And but I didn't, um, I, never, I never heard them talk about the steps. And you know what I found out later when I got sober? They read the steps mm -hmm. at every meeting in Southern California uh, as part of the format. They read them. Uh, part of the big book that discusses 
the 12 steps. And they, they had done that to every meeting I'd ever been to, and I'd never heard them for six months. I did hear them, though, when I made the commitment to keep going back, and I realized this is what this is what you're supposed to do. So as I started to do it, I began to really kind of study the big book, which is what we call the basic text, Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the things that it says in there is that it's, it's really not about not drinking. It's about a design for living that really works. And the design for living they're talking about is the reason that um, you can apply same design for living to other situations or problems or addictions or uh, obsessions, and, and you can reap benefits and, and recovery from them. So that's why Gamblers Anonymous works, and that's why uh, Overeaters Anonymous works, and that's why Al-Anon works, and Adult, adult Children of, of Alcoholics works, and, and all these 12-step programs, and there are about 50 or more of them now. Um, Funcane Anonymous was brand new when I got sober, brand new. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> but um, I recognized that the application of the same 12 steps could be to any problem. So I said, well, my problem is I was abused as a kid. And, you know, basically I, I was traumatized to the point where without some way of recovering, I'm not going to recover. So I applied 12 steps to the trauma. And son of a gun, it worked. So I was simultaneously since then applying the 12 steps to least to drugs and alcohol and then to my child abuse and the trauma from my child abuse. And when I did that latter part, what I did was I just simply substituted the words uh, that, that were, that dealt with alcohol or alcoholism or Alcoholics Anonymous with um, child abuse and uh, child childhood uh, apparitions and, and trauma. Uh, and childhood trauma, and you know, and NASCAD, the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse, eventually, because NASCAD didn't exist uh, at all for a long time. About 25 years into my own recovery, I decided to launch NASCAD, which is about 15 years ago, and um, and it and I used um, my own life's experience in and out of recovery to. Um, to create NASCA, and I used, I basically put together an organization that I thought would be of great benefit to anyone who really had, had, hadn't had found a comfortable place to go, because there are very few rules in NASCA, almost none. Um, and it's a very mixed group, so you can be any kind of person from any place in the world, uh, any kind of religious background, ethnic background, sexual orientation, doesn't matter. You can be any age. You can be of any educational ilk. You can be a you know a PhD, and you can be a, a GED student. You know it doesn't matter. Uh, there are there are no other rules other than than the uh, having the desire to stop uh, being you know is to be in recovery. The only desire is to be in recovery to, to stop the trauma. And there are um, although there are twelve steps. In a 12-step program, NASCA is not a 12-step program, deliberately so, because I knew that there were going to be many people who were going to want to do traditional therapies or 
psychotherapies or even take medications or uh, uh, or do group settings. Whatever they had wanted to do was going to be fair game here, and it's still that way. We don't tell you what to do. We tell you that the many things that are available and how to understand what they are, and if you're interested, we'll help you get into them. And we list many, many tools and, and organizations other than ourselves. So that's the mm -hmm. genesis of what NASCA became, and it, it succeeded pretty well, I'd say, for the thousands yeah. that have come through. There's no registration. There's no dues or fees. Nothing it, it costs anything at NASCA. So there is, in other words, as I said, I set it up the way I would be comfortable in, incorporate, in, in encountering a group myself uh, and, and that I thought I would be comfortable you know, uh, belonging to. That's what NASCA is. Mm -hmm. And many people yeah. agree with me that, you know, this is, this is really helpful to a person that's in, that needs to be in recovery, that they, they don't feel like they're being forced to do anything or even pay for it. So that's the long mm -hmm. and short of it. Yeah. The 12 steps. Um, the first thing that helped for me, like in giant letters was, you are powerless. I said, I've been powerless my whole life. Why would I have to go somewhere that they keep telling me I'm powerless? You know? And then I said, I'm powerless over alcohol. And then I realized that I'm, you know, I was powerless over the abuse. I was powerless. I'm powerless over the fact that I was abused. You know, um, today I, you know, look back and, uh, and, and there's, you know, the shame went away because I yeah. realized that I was a child. And when it got to the point where you got to make amends, some people think they got to make amends to their abusers because they participated. And I just want to point out that you are not responsible. Um, you were a child. And for me, it ended up continuing until I was 21 when I finally escaped. And um, I blame myself there because I guess I thought this magic age at 18 when I turned 18, that all this wisdom would come up, should have come upon me, and I should have known exactly what to do. And, uh, you know, to, to give myself um, um, an opportunity to go um, from that whole thought process. You know, and like I said, this is a plant living, which meant that I had to change the way that I believed about a lot of things, you know. Um, I believe that it was my fault, you know, and all those things. And just being able to my story with Nazca took so much shame away, you know, guilt yep. and shame. They have other people say, hey, you know, maybe, you know, not the same story because we're all different. But, you know, I went through that. And for me, I always say, let's look at our commonalities rather than our differences. And for me, right. commonalities are feelings. Um, that we had, you know, because I can mention fear, and everybody probably listening knows what fear is. <laughs> the, only, uh, the only way you might not know what the different feelings are is if at one point when I got into recovery, I started having feelings, and people would mention a feeling, and I couldn't identify with it because really, I don't even know how long ago I shut off my feelings right. many years ago. Well, back before right. I can remember, 
And right. so I didn't, you know, and I told my sponsor, I said, oh, I'm sober now and I'm having these feelings. And she's like, yeah, that's part of recovery. And I said, yeah, but I don't want it. I want to go back to not feeling. <laughs> and I say, too, if you go to the program for a while and then you, uh, then, uh, you try to go back to using or whatever, um, it's just never the same, you know. Um, and it wasn't. If um, I've seen people go back out because they thought there was too, just too much pain in it. And, uh, and they, you know, they need to come back or they need to find something. Uh, to relieve that pain, and, and it is recovery. It is some form of recovery, you know, and, and maybe AA didn't work for you or maybe therapy didn't work for you or whatever, but like I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of things out there, and there's a lot more now than there ever was. You know, I found NASCA way back and uh, happened to Google adult survivors of child abuse, and I was on um, MySpace, which is really dating me, <laughs> And was in a group there for survivors of abuse. And uh, we're sharing some of my story and other people were too. And a lady wrote to me and says, uh, you know, started asking me questions about my story. And, you know, just different things. And then she started asking me complicated questions um, about all kinds of stuff. So I started Googling stuff and just sending her links, you know, because I had some time. It wasn't Google at the time. It was just search engine or whatever you call it. You know, I don't know all the terminology. But anyway, um, I kept sending her stuff. And then I didn't hear from her for quite a few months. And I thought, well, I don't know. You know, people move on. <laughs> you know, I talked to you for a while and that's it. But anyway, she writes back to me. I still got a frog in my throat when she said, I just wanted to thank you for all you shared and all the information you gave me. Because uh, we uh, went to court and now... Um, my my uh, granddaughter's who is four father will never be able to abuse her again, oh, sexually abuse her okay. again. Sure. And that's at the moment that I realized that I got to tell my story on a larger scale. Because if I could sure. help that one woman, help that four-year-old child, I thought, what if somebody intervened when I was four? Yeah. My whole life would have been different. And it just gave me so much hope that things can change, you know, for even that one child. And that somebody stepped in, the grandma stepped in to take the time to find out information to help that child. And that is one thing that, you know, I want to stress is that, you know, we always say if you, you see something, say something. Even if you're not sure some abuse is going on, you know, especially for survivors, we've, we're more tuned to a lot of that, you know. You might kind of see it in a child's eyes or, you know, um, observe something um, that kind of tips us off, <laughs> you know, and we could be dead wrong. <laughs> but you know what? Um, let someone else investigate it. And uh, I even have people that say, well, I'm afraid to report because I'm afraid the neighbors are going to, you know, do something against me. And, and my response to that is, Think of that child that's trapped in that home with that person that you're afraid of. You know, they right. have they're they have no power. You've got more power than you do they do. They're, you're an adult, you know. Right. Um sure. and and they you know, they're totally vulnerable in that home. And we so much goes on behind closed doors that we have no idea. So if they're 
screaming and yelling and whacking their kid outside or, you know, doing things that we observe. Imagine what's going on inside the house. If there yeah, were. Do you mind if I chip in, mm-hmm. Victoria? No, no, go for Yes, please do. Yeah. Um, just a quick update on my, my own situation is um, um, I'm back out of hospital. I've, I was in hospital three times in three weeks, but um, I'm out and it's all good and I'm back in the saddle and raring to go. And um, just to pick up on some of the, the main key phrases that's been shared that I've heard so far is that, um, okay, yeah, um, in the early 90s, when I was sort of six years into depression, I was in all sorts of depression support groups, and I, and I found a 12-step program uh, for adult children of absent parents, and I found that very, very beneficial, um, until it got to the point where I had to hand over the responsibility to God, and and for me at that time, it really didn't gel. I just felt that I, it was my responsibility to go back and heal those wounds of my childhood. And one of, but one of the most beneficial things and where my healing really began was in those support groups where I was able to share my story in a safe environment and the people in the group accepted my story as my truth and validated my story. So it was it was the sharing of the story that really opened the doorway for, for my healing. And because we're all unique, I'm you know I feel that everybody holds a piece of the puzzle and simply by sharing our stories we help to heal each other. And one thing I really love about NASCAR is the big umbrella that it has over many different modalities to healing and i think that's that's a marvelous attribute attribute because what works for one won't work for another but with so many you know so many different modalities under the umbrella people can try things and find one that resonates and i think that's that's key to success in recovery and healing you know is Find a, find a process that, that works for you, that resonates with your heart. So, yeah, life's great. And I've just started a, a new men's support group here uh, called On The Mend. <laughs> and we meet every Wednesday in the park or Saturday mornings on Zoom. So, yeah, I'm really fired up about that. I've had T-shirts printed and... <laughs> So it's all good, and um, yeah, still spreading the NASCAR word. And now that I'm back in the saddle, I'll uh, be calling in more frequently, if that's okay with you guys. Of course, of course. Well, thank you for that. Well, thank Sarah. you for that, Sarah. I will say, nice I will say that it's not. It's not necessarily, not necessarily that any of the modalities that are touched upon and mentioned by NASCA uh, don't work. It's just we might prefer something else. <laughs> they may all work. You know, they're not going to work unless we commit ourselves to them. So, you know, that's why it's it's a good thing that we offer uh, variety, and I think that's what you meant anyway, Bob, 
we 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 offer as many things as we can think of and say that's not even the complete list. I'm sure there's other things, and we help the person find the one that they're you know willing to work, willing to be comfortable in, and you know, and that's and that's what makes the difference. We don't make them do anything. Uh, yeah. boy, if you made yeah. me, if you told me I had to do something, <laughs> that was a sure way for me to go the opposite direction. Right? Yeah, me too. With you. What I'm saying, Bill. What I was saying, Bill. Um, going back to it was, it was like I tried loads of things until I found something that resonated with my heart. Yeah, and it. it it just felt true for me. And so, right. and that's how I go through my life. That's how I find my truth. Um, right. Something uh, something comes into my life. Does it resonate with my heart? Well, yeah, that, it becomes part of my truth and part of my journey. And if it doesn't resonate with my heart, it goes in the bin. Simple. Right. right. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I have, ask, I have a lot of people ask me if I'm healed, if I'm healed yet, and I said I'll be on my healing journey till I take my last breath, because I yeah. I do want to continue because I feel like every day I learn something new, and I'm continuing to grow, and yeah. you know for me life is about change, and uh, it is learning new things, and if I do something that you know. Um, well, because somebody convinced me to go skiing, and I like it. So guess what? I never did it again. <laughs> and I really didn't want to learn. But there's been other things that I've done. Like my grandchild talked me into going zip lining, and I was just, you know, no way am I doing that, you know, like three years ago. And I'm 61 now. Come on, Grandma. Come on, Grandma. And he says, no, 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 I'm too afraid to do that. Oh, come on, it's really fun. I says, yeah, but the first time you got up there, how was it? Well, first of all, Grandma was terrified. No, first of all, I was scared. Then I was terrified, and I looked at Luca, and I says, you're not helping. <laughs> and then Luca says, uh, or, um, come on, Grandma, we'll be here doing it with you. And I says, yeah, but nobody's going to be there to hold my hand. And then Luca says, yeah, but Grandma, I'll be on the other side waiting for you. And it was like, how could I say no? <laughs> and I got up there and I was scared and terrified, but, you know, I did it, and it was just fantastic. And I, it, you go down three different levels, and I just scream like crazy the whole time. And when I came down on the last level where the guy catches you, I said, I just want to thank you for uh, – giving me the opportunity to do some primal screaming. I've been needing to do that. And I don't know if you remember, but in the seventies there was a therapy called primal screaming. And and you sure. would just literally scream. <laughs> right. And some people do it in the car and some people did it in the woods and some people did it in their house and some people did it in a pillow. <laughs> but that was uh that was an actual therapy. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh, I do that underwater, Victoria. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. I, I do my practical screaming underwater. I dive in the ocean and just go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My friends would say, I still do that, too. I turn up the radio and just start screaming. 
in the car. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, there's, there's just, things that we can continue to do, but there's a lot of tools that, you know, I have, and sometimes I forget, you know, I'll be talking to my girlfriend, I'll be having a really hard time, and she'll go, um, did you remember to breathe? Are you remembering to breathe? And it's like, when I get real anxious or scared or whatever, I do. I hold my breath. That's one thing I did when I was a kid. And, you know, you think that's the most obvious thing and in, in to have to have somebody remind you to breathe, you know. But the biggest thing I don't like is when somebody says, calm down, because then I get more upset, you know. And the one right. thing I tell people is, don't you think if I could calm down, I would have already done it? <laughs> You know, um, because it's really hard when I'm trying to get something out. Maybe they think I'm losing it, but really I'm just trying to get it out. And it feels like it's like a volcano, you know, and I just need to get it out. Right. Well, listen, let's see if we can get anything from Philip or Vinny or Leticia, the three men Mm -hmm. here are in the background and haven't said much. Anything from you guys? Um, no, but I'm about to leave for a meeting, so I have to go in 10 minutes. Well, thank you for being here, as oh. always, Phil. You're, you're really uh, a trooper, and you're always welcome to come to these meetings, even if you have to leave early. We understand that. Don't worry. All right? Thank so thank you. you. Mm-hmm. God bless. Okay. Yeah, we're glad that you came. And uh, that's the other thing, people, you know, um, you can call in and, uh, you know, time schedule because we're here. And then also... Um, we have support groups the week. Um, and then uh, the other call who's listening said that they're good. They're, they've been texting me. Um, and then uh, also um, I did want to mention that, and maybe you could uh, explain a little bit more, Bill, that our resources, the resources on the website uh, by state, um, you want to explain sure. a little more about that? Okay. Sure. Well, the, the NASCA website is filled with um, all kinds of things. There, there are many tools and services and resources and, you know, programs of different kinds. Well, one of them, the one that uh, we're mentioning now, is called the Groups and Services uh, List. And it's if you see the um, website, there will be a, a row of red uh, buttons across the uh, you know, the, the, the top third of the page, roughly, that, that if you hover your mouse over any of them, there are five of them, a uh, list drops down with six or eight or ten choices to make. So it's five rows and eight, let's say, eight things on each list. The first button displays something called uh, re- recovery groups and services on it, and that's the one we're talking about now. And what that does is, it uh, allows a person to um, look under an alphabetical system uh, for what kinds of uh, what kind of uh, programs are uh, available in your own area, and it's by state or province or sometimes countries. It's a small country, but it's global. It's completely worldwide. And for example. It's called, actually, it's called Global Recovery Groups. That's what it's called. And you, you uh, open that, and it 
displays a menu with all the states, all the provinces of Canada, all the territories of the United States, all of the English-speaking countries in the world, uh, including things like Australia and the British Isles, but also a lot of African states, nations. Uh, India, another English-speaking country, Israel, New Zealand, and finally, non-English-speaking countries. And we have a listing for every country because, believe it or not, even in non-English-speaking countries, there are things that, that um, are available in English that, uh, because we do everything we can in English, we can, we can do in English uh, that are also available. So as an example, let's say, um, you know, I, I live in California, so uh, I wanted to find out what kind of recovery groups there were in California. So I, I go to that red menu, the first one, I click it, and, uh, and then it, uh, it drops down as I hover over it, and then I click the first link, recovery groups, and the menu opens up inside there, and then I look at United States and California. Now, they're all in alphabetical order, so it's as easy as we can make it. You click California, and in California's case, I know that it's a very big state, so uh, there is a approximately a 50-something page document, PDF file, that um, lists all the organizations and and 12-step, not 12-step, and brick-and-mortar groups, places that have, you know, a building and so forth, uh, and that are, re are places where you can go on an ongoing basis. Um, and they're listed alphabetically, too. So if you're looking for Sausalito, that's under S, but if you're looking for Anaheim, that's under A and so forth. So you just need to go through the list, up and down the list, to towns and cities that are nearby where you want to search. Uh, and, um, you know, you will find many, many, many resources. So this is true for every locale in the world. You can go to Illinois and find them there. You can go to Guam and find them there. <laughs> you can go to Alberta, Canada and find them there and so forth. Um, and it's a this is a tool that nobody had ever offered or I don't think ever has still offered to uh, to the recovery the recovery groups uh, in order to help them locate useful uh, local uh, organizations and groups. Now, there's another um, thing that's on the same kind of program, which is for um, which is for a calendar of events. Calendar of events is also set up. Uh, as a global tool uh, under the same pull-down menu, it's the third item. Calendar of events is for things that are unique to that area. Again, same thing, California, Alberta, Guam. There are things in each state or in, in each province or in each locale that are um, done by date. They're, they're unique because they are, uh, let's say, a rally or a march or uh, or a workshop. They are things that happen every occasionally. They're not they're not ha they don't happen all the time. Whereas the other thing lists uh, groups that uh, that uh, recover that meet uh, all the time. The, the the events are um you know once a month, not even that. They're once every three months, they're once a year, annual things and so forth. 
So if you live in Alabama and you want to know what's going on in Alabama throughout the year, that's where you click. And, and uh, these things are both, by the way, interactive. And what that means is we hope that people will understand that they get better and better according to how people um, help us fill them out. So we have a gal in London, England. Her name is Carolyn, who, um, whose address we use. You send her an, uh, a notice that uh, you've just discovered that in November there's going to be a, a convention in your state. She'll put it in the right place on the right date, and that's how it gets to appear there. And it just suddenly appears. And it's because of your interaction with us that it does that. So same thing is true of the group, of the groups, of recovery groups, that if you find something with a, that the phone number has changed or that's no longer meeting or a new group that is meeting, you can add that to the list by simply, simply writing to Carolyn and said, hey, I found out there's a, there's a new uh, recovery group and in the in Sausalito, California, and it meets on Wednesday nights. You know, when you tell her that, it goes on a list under Sausalito. So these are interactive group group lists that um, we help. We we have the community. All of us is the community of NASCA family members make their own contributions to and improve all the time. Now, Thank you, that Bill. Same also, also, also I want to mention too. We've got um, we've got some um, other things on there too. But the one I like to share a lot is for parents or educators. You know, it's a little video on there, and it's I think it's under protecting our children. And uh, you can go on there and uh, there's a little video about body safety and this is your body and you know. Um, how to talk to kids about, you know, telling something happens to them. And so what I usually do is tell parents or whoever I'm talking to to go ahead and listen to it first and then sit down with the child. And I tell, tell the child to raise your hand if they have a question and watch the video because a lot of times kids forget by the end of the video. And uh, if they have a question, and then talk to them about it. And uh, anyway, it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful video, and uh, it's amazing that um, you can bring up a lot of these resources to people, like like Bill was saying earlier in the show. This is for anybody that that cares about child abuse, wants to know more information, wants to help children, wants to help survivors, wants to help anybody understand, or wants to um, you know work with this cause um, and help um, prevent child abuse. Um, help educate people. You know, it's about uh, prevention and intervention. And uh, there's just so many aspects of this, and, and it, it does um, cross over many different uh, areas that people are already interested in. And to bring them in on it, you know, whether they come in and ask as a survivor or whether they come in and just use some of the information, you know, to add their program. Um, or to give resources to their clients. I, I tell all my therapists and workers I work with and companies and people I come in contact with about different ones. So it's really good as NASCA members that we find what's on the website. There is so much information. We also know that, um, you know, we don't 
we don't keep track of how many people we encounter, but we know we've encountered hundreds of thousands of them, of course. And um, one of the things that happens is we'll get a call from someone that we don't recognize, or this will happen to me, and I know it happens to you too. We'll get a call from someone and say, you know, they they uh, got our, our number off of uh, the website, and where did they get the website? They got it from uh, a hotline somewhere. <laughs> We don't know. We don't set those relationships up. But, of course, mm-hmm. anybody's free to, to list anything at NASCA as, if it'll help their community or themselves to uh, promote, you know, healing. So people, you know, offer uh, offer this to, as I say, to, to hotlines and services that are meant to, you know, um, foster uh, recovery. We don't, we don't care where they get it, you know, and we appreciate that they're, they're offered out and then they're given out. They're given back, you know, to uh, mm-hmm. to people who are calling in us. So it's it's been um, mm-hmm. quite interesting how this works. Is there's a kind of a synergy to it that we didn't ask for, but we hoped we would get someday, and we didn't even have to try force it. It happened. Right. Well, it's networking so, and you know, uh, word about. Um, and like I said, you know, um, I've even had um, my therapist and my psychiatrist say, oh, I'm so glad you told me about that because I just gave out, you know, the information to survivors. Right. That, you know, I don't have to know the story. I don't have to know their information. They just, all they do is pass on the website, you know, and then they do their yeah. own thing with the therapist or the psychiatrist or their AA sponsor or whatever, you know. Right. And uh, right. uh, the other thing I want to mention is, also, if you go on the website, we have, um, by state, we have uh, ambassadors, and we have them all over the world now. And uh, our our phone numbers are on there. And, um, you know, if you can't get a hold of one person, um, you don't have to call the people in your state. My number's on there. Bill's number's on there. There's a whole bunch of people's numbers on there. And, you know, you might even find somebody on the Facebook group that um, that's got their number on there. You know, feel free to call us. That's why our numbers are on there if you need someone right. to talk to. Um, you know, we don't have all the answers, but I tell you what, anybody calls me and I don't have the answer, I'll be right up front. I don't have the answer, but I will find out for you, you know, and, and let you know. You know, I don't I don't make up stuff. <laughs> I had a friend that did not, you know. Well, I didn't want to say I didn't know. And I said, well, you know, if I don't know... I'm going to say I don't know, but I will say that I will sure try to find out, and and I do right. the best of my ability to find, you know, the answer to their question. If they're they're looking for a group, maybe they aren't in a position they can navigate trying to go on there and find their state and find their city or find a group or whatever. But you know, yeah. through talking to you, I might, you know, I might get enough information. And but like Bill said too, that you know, you got to. You gotta want it. You gotta be willing to try. Um, I've had people that called me and, you know, on and on and on and everything. I suggest no one can do that or I already tried that. No, 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 no. And you know, you gotta be willing to keep an open mind and want help. And you know, um, I always say I like to give a hand up, not a hand out. And uh, you know, that's what we're there for—to give a hand up. That's one thing that the person that's trying to help somebody else needs to remember too, 
as an ASCA member, you're not responsible for helping people who don't want to have the help. So they, mm-hmm. if they come along and they want the help, then they'll stay open to it, uh, at least to the degree that you're comfortable continuing to work with them. But there will be uh, people mm-hmm. who are kind of belligerent or kind of they're know-it-alls. Mm-hmm. So they already, they've already tried that and it didn't work and whatever. You know, if at any point you're uncomfortable with working with somebody, that's what you say. You know, I mm-hmm. tried to share a number of things with you, and it's obvious that, you know, we're not really getting along. So I suggest you mm-hmm. find uh, some other people to, that you could work with because uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just obviously not your cup of tea. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can say that. Uh, and yeah. God bless them, you know, because we don't want to waste our time. There's only a certain amount of valuable time that we all have and valuable energy that we all have. And what we yeah. want to do is we want to offer it to people who really do want it. People who don't want it, yeah. after a some while, we recognize that. just aren't ready. And I know That's sometimes right. I've been totally overwhelmed. I've had like 20 things I'm trying to do at once because I just feel like i got to fix myself with 20, these 20 things. And and uh, so somebody might mention something, and I'll be, you know, be going on to the next thing that I need help with. And I'm not stopping enough to listen you know, to, that I need to slow down some things and just focus on one issue at a time. And I know that uh-huh. happens to me personally, you know. And uh, so sometimes it just helps in the talking to someone where I just say, you know, how about if we focus on one thing you're trying to work on right now because you can't fix everything right now, you know. Um, but you can do something about one thing. Right. And let's just take one step at a time. I'm going to be here, you know. You can call me back tomorrow. I'm going to be here. Hopefully. <laughs> no guarantee, but if I'm if if I'm selling this tourist and I still have my phone, which, you know, can always be an issue, too, <laughs> with the phones I get. Electronics don't like me. They don't. They always tend right. to not work when they need Let's get Leticia to tell us what we didn't say right and the mistakes that we made. There you go. Leticia, what did you go wrong? <laughs> I have so much judgment. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm very glad that I called in. I really appreciate what you guys shared and the topics that were discussed today. Um, and I'm really grateful just hearing you guys go down the list of like the resources and all the things that NASCA offers and can connect people to. It just makes me really grateful that it's here and for you, Bill, for starting this and for keeping this going. Um, and everyone that has contributed, volunteered, and worked to keep this going as well. There's there's nothing else like NASCA nothing that I've ever seen, and it's really made a difference in my life with, you know, the things I've had to survive and also in my recovery. So I'm, I'm really grateful for you guys. Well, we're grateful for you. Uh, you know, really, it's it's people like yourself, and you're not a newcomer anymore, but, you know, at one point you were, and the energy you brought when you were new uh, and and the willingness that a person who's in pain when they're new, especially, um, to kind of 
uh, try things out, to follow direction, so forth, like you have had, uh, is a big reason that we keep coming back. I think I'm speaking for for uh, Victoria now too, but I'll, I'll just say I keep coming back because, you know, I as I said earlier, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't that I didn't if if I didn't think it was having an effect. You've showed me that as an example, and uh, I'm I'm really grateful to you. You know, so it goes uh, it goes every way. It goes all around and back. Okay, so. Thank you, Leticia. And you can call in more often if you want, of course. <laughs> I try. I try. And I've been, I've, been with, I've been with NASCA for over 10 years, and I just want to say that, you know, um, I keep coming back to help others, but I keep coming back because I keep getting things out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I keep, you know, I hear a new person come on or somebody I haven't, you know, maybe been on many times, but I haven't talked to them. Like Leticia, I haven't, you know, talked to you before, I don't think. Um, but, um, you know, new people and new experiences. And, you know, every time we have a show, it's always a different show. <laughs> you know, it's it's never, um, to me, boring. Again, we're, you know, getting close to the end, and it doesn't even feel like it's been an hour and a half. Just because mm-hmm. it feels like I'm just sitting down with a conversation and having a conversation with friends. You know, friends that I haven't maybe met in person, but I feel kindred spirit, you know. Well, you know, Leticia doesn't live very far from the endowment center. Um, He lives over by the airport, kind of. Um, And (laughs) there's no reason that we couldn't meet up. Tori has been to the event that's called the Script Conference twice now. Uh, and it's now being held again in the endowment center, which is near Union Station downtown. Um, and she has stayed at my house both times, and uh, once also at a little motel, and another time at a at a friend's another NASCA member's house. So these these things can always happen. Leticia's, you know, pretty close by. He's just on the other mm-hmm. side. Of, well, you know where you know where the airport is, <laughs> and you know that there's a yeah. there's a right, shuttle right. bus. <laughs> that so scary place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Place I get anxiety attacks. <laughs> I, yeah, I try to stay away from the airport as much as I can. <laughs> keep trying. We need to keep bringing up the script conference too. I think throughout the year because, like, for me. Um, knowing ahead of time is really good because I have to save for it, you know, um, yeah. and plan for it. Right. And pray. You know, so I think it would be good if we periodically, yeah, we periodically bring things up that are coming up, um, not just a month or two before. Because uh, right. for me, as, you know, playing, you know, the airplane trip and being on SSI, it's, you know, it's something now right. that so, I know is coming up so next let me, year. So let me... Let me say, let me say, it's always in July. It's usually in the middle of July. It's usually a two-day conference, all day long for the two days, completely free. Everything about it, except lunch, is in a, uh, a little restaurant that's there in the facility. You don't even have to leave the place, and it's very good food, uh, reasonable, you know, lunch. And so there's there's really no reason not to come if you're in the area. Uh, and it is held. Uh, in a really wonderful facility. Uh, it, it's uh, led by Dr. Deborah Warner, who's an ASCA member, been around for a long time, um, and she's 
frequently invited me to speak at different different parts of it, but it's it's people who are far more experienced than myself, uh, and these they're it's really all in the um, in the interest of uh, redirecting uh, the youth of Los Angeles and anyone else who can get here into healthier uh, you know into healthier ways of being. Uh, there's a lot of gang prevention people gang intervention people and so forth, and law officers uh, who are the right kind of law officer, and all kinds of things, and, and nonprofits of all kinds. And, of course, NASCA is a uh, sponsor of, and has been ever since it started about seven years ago. So um, this is why I'm mentioning it to you, Leticia. Just, you have to be around to hear about it, but in uh, July, August, no, the, 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 the couple of months before uh, – we have 90 seconds. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and wrap us up. But thank you yeah, both okay. for being here. Okay, tonight. Bill. Well, I really appreciate coming on and looking for staying with us. Um, I have one quick to read before we end, and this is a NASCA Serenity Prayer. Please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself because I always try my best, and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. And I'm going to close out with the music and invite everybody back again. Thank you very much. Stroll through the picture, what I've left behind. You want again. I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories in In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come 